It's the Chris Grace Show. I'm your host, Chris Grace. You know, um, way back in the day when I had the Chris Grace Show as a daily, and uh, no, that was a weekly, and I had a daily called Have a Good Day with Chris Grace, um, I would often just uh, sing the music like I just did. Um, and I'm doing it again because I'm on a different laptop than my home computer, and I don't have access to my to, to anything. <laughs> I don't have access to anything. Um, it's all on these like hard drives that I'm moving from one computer, my iMac, and I'm actually moving everything to this laptop um, because I'll be traveling a lot this year. And I'm also doing, as you uh, might recall, I'm doing my software engineering job. And so I am, uh, I've decided I want everything to just be on one computer um, because for the software job, I actually do a lot of stuff that's kind of, uh, as we, uh, uh, this is industry jargon, futsy, where I have a lot of small, little, like, fidgety little software things I have to have installed to get things working precisely right when I'm trying to do this code stuff. And, Setting them up in two different environments on my home computer and the laptop has been um, slightly annoying. It's just been a little discombobulating to move from one environment to the other where I um, just am not quite sure which things I have installed. Anyway, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. This way, I just will run everything when I'm at home. I'll run it through my laptop with an external monitor and then I'll just grab that same laptop when I go on the road so that I don't have to do any kind of mental transition. The only transition will be going from two screens to one, which I can handle. Uh, so this is the Chris Gray show this week. It's just a ramble. There is no guest this week. Um, I'm actually preparing this week in two days. Uh, today is Monday night. I'll be going to Houston, Texas Wednesday, late Wednesday night for a stand-up show in Texas on Thursday, April 13th at 8 PM with Tim Murray doing this co-headlining thing that I think I've mentioned a few times. This is like the hot new thing in the stand-up world, which I think is serving a useful sort of transition for people like me who are sort of wanting to go from, hey, we're doing five to 10 minute sets to I want to do 45 minutes to an hour to headline somewhere. And this is a way for me and Tim to both do 30 minutes. Uh, and we're also going to do a little Q&A afterwards like I did in Palm Springs, which went really well. Um and uh, this is a thing people are doing, uh, which is, you know, just a different structure from the host feature uh, headliner. All of this is just convention. It's all just conventions. Um, oh, there's a uh, beep from my computer. So I'm recording this on my laptop. So what I heard about this laptop that I got is that the built-in microphones for this laptop are, are very good. So this is a test um, because I don't have my nice sweetening plugins that I put into logic. I don't have anything installed on this except. So this is just the bare bones audio from the MacBook pro 2023 microphones. Um, did I put some of the money that I won in that standup contest towards getting a new uh, laptop? Yes, I did. <laughs> um, but uh, the truth be told is that my home computer has been straining slightly under the the weight of some of the work that I'm doing, which is kind of crazy because like the software engineering stuff I'm doing isn't really like, I'm mostly dealing with text files. Like it's not that computer intensive, I think. 
But between that and some of the photo editing, photo editing, editing, and video editing that I've been doing for um, the Scarlett Johansson show, my home computer has been a little, so this is kind of how I justified it. I want a little bit of money. I have a job that is sort of tech intensive. These are the rationalizations I made. Um, and, you know, in case you think I'm flush, I'm paying this off on my Apple card, zero interest over like three years or something like that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, I'm going down to Texas. Oh, and then Saturday I'm doing the second public reading of my, uh, Chris Grace as Scarlett Johansson show. And again, this is just a model of me sort of tricking myself into being productive because the truth be told is I procrastinated for the March reading. I've somewhat procrastinated for this one. Um, but I will be making incremental progress between the last reading and this one, I already have made some, I think fun revisions to the show. I think the show is going to be more <laughs> enjoyable, which some people thought it should be more enjoyable. And I was like, oh, I disagree, but you know, to please the masses, I've made it more less excruciating to hear me lecture people about racism. <laughs> um, so I'll be doing it Saturday again. I'm doing it in full on, work in progress reading form, which means I will be having a mic stand. I'm going to be running sound cues off of my phone to a little portable speaker. Um, it'll be part of this, this arts festival in Austin called the Fusebox festival. And I imagine some of the other things there will be way more polished, but this is going to be a very rough and ready, low expectations thing. Um, and I, I will be doing another reading in Los Angeles in May, but more, uh, significantly, I just signed a contract to do five performances of the show at the Hollywood fringe in June of this year at Thymely arts, Thymely arts, uh, which is a little rehearsal studio art space, pretty close to our house that I've seen a few readings at. I actually, we did a workshop performance of uh, my friend, John Accardo's magic show there before he went to Scotland three years ago, Whew, four years ago, really. Um, and it's, uh, I was, tr uh, the way Hollywood Fringe works is very different from Edinburgh Fringe. Hollywood Fringe is, you book your own venue, so that's like Edinburgh. But, uh, well, I mean, I guess it is. The, the only stipulation is that for the Hollywood Fringe, you have to book from a specific um, predetermined set of venues or you bring your own venue. And they're generally within a geographical bounds that is sort of what we would roughly call Hollywood in Los Angeles. Um, and, uh, so I was choosing between a couple of places. One is the Broadwater where, uh, the show that Eric choreographed last year, teaching a robot to love where that was, uh, performed last year. And the other one was this Thymele arts. I am in a room called the Kansas room, which only seats 30 people. I, I really am not putting much stock into like, I need a great Hollywood fringe run. I really am just like, it's five shows. It's five chances for me to do the show in front of even five people would be fine. It's just to get me some reps before I go to Scotland. And, uh, you know, I'll be doing it in June, which gives me sort of all of July to do revisions and that kind of stuff. So anyway, like I said, this is sort of me structuring a sort of set of deadlines to, um, essentially exploit my sense of procrastination over and over so that I make some significant incremental progress over the course of like four or five months. Um, 
And when it came down to choosing between the Broadwater and Thymele, the Broadwater, to be honest, in most ways is probably a better space. It's a, I think it's a better black box theater than what I'll have at the Thymele place. Um, but it's more expensive and the parking is really bad. Thymele has a parking garage, which I just think is nice. And, um, my run of five shows for Thymele Arts is going to cost $760. Um, and the equivalent at Broadwater, I believe, was... You know, it's funny. Now that I think about it, I think it would have been similar. It would, it would, it would have been $850 minimum. Um, it, Because what happened at Thymele is they list like what their costs are for like a one-hour, 60-minute slot. But... Then they say if your show's like 50 minutes, you have to get a 90-minute slot because you have to get a... I mean, I don't know to what degree I was like upsold into a slot that I didn't really need. Because to be honest, I could run the show at 40 minutes and get in and out in an hour. Like, that would be fine. I didn't really feel like... That That would have brought the cost for the rental down to like 500 or so. Um, and the equivalent at Broadwater is like 850 minimum. Well, I... I it was fine. Um... The other thing about the Broadwater is um, that, uh, or actually about both of them, is that they require you to hire all this like staff. Um, so you have to hire a tech person from these venues, which sort of makes sense. Um, you you can't bring your own tech, in other words, uh, and that's like twenty five to forty dollars a performance for the five shows. It's like whatever. I mean, I don't mind compensating somebody, but you know, from their reasoning, it's that we just can't let any old person run our tech because you know it's equipment blah blah blah, which is that is a line of reasoning right it is funny that when you go to edinburgh um you can absolutely bring your own tech and not hire somebody and the equipment in edinburgh like in the venue i'm going to be in the, the equipment is way more expensive like it's like when i produced a show in the what's called the assembly george square one uh, studio in the fringe uh 2019 that light plot and that board is is they have a good lighting grid and or whatever you call it, the plot, the sort of plot that you can use. They have like a um, programmable LED multicolor spotlight that you can use. That's very versatile. That's like very useful to like simulate a bunch of whole different, a whole bunch of different kinds of cues. And so anyway, I'm just saying that that they're putting their stuff at risk, you know, way more than Hollywood fringe, but whatever. Um, you could argue that to get into a venue like assembly, you have to sort of have some bona fides about being a theater professional, which I, I don't even know if that's true, but you can make that argument, I guess. So um, that's where I'm at. You know, I'm, I'm, I, as, as we've discussed here many times, I am, am monitoring myself for signs of uh, uh, burnout um, I do think one sign of burnout is that I'm, I just have been falling behind in terms of regularly booking guests for this show. I, I had, I was uh, like a month ahead at one point in terms of, uh, being able to, um, you know, schedule interviews and, and have them sort of queued up, ready to go. And obviously now I've run out of that, uh, lead time. Uh, I will be recording a couple of interviews in Texas, so that'll, um, give me a little bit of a boost and uh so that'll be fun um but uh you know i was kind of inspired this week because i i did have a um 
a person that could have like rushed an interview with to get it out for tonight, but I was inspired by my friend, Matt Donnelly. I will highly recommend, uh, my friend, Matt Donnelly's podcast, Abracababble, which is on the face of it for people that are interested in magic. Um, but it is really, I think an interesting podcast because it's about his journey as a, as an artist, you know, he was on the show, I think last month, and we sort of talked about his, his, um, progression in that world and his latest episode um i think it's worth you going and joining his patreon for five dollars to listen to it because it's about his audition for america's got talent and it's really fascinating and so i was inspired by that just by his you know willingness to um be raw and open up his thoughts about the whole process the highs and the lows of that kind of thing and you know like I wanted to talk about like where I am with the Scarlet show and what the rest of this year looks like. I just booked uh, our travel to Scotland. It's always kind of a scary thing. Cause like last year I went to Scotland for two weeks. It was the shortest I'd ever gone to fringe and I didn't love it. Like I did. I liked that going for two weeks is very, very easy to fit into a normal life schedule. So I really didn't miss anything here in Los Angeles. I didn't really have to put anything on hold. Um, I just sort of went and in the blink of an eye, I was back here. Really didn't feel like a long time. The bummer of it was you do get a sense of missing out once you come home because the festival continues without you. And I know from experience being at the festival, really being at any intense experience, I know that when people leave those experiences early, you forget about them in like 48 hours. Um, and, you know, it was true of me too. So I was kind of thinking that I didn't love only being there for part of it last year. However, it is scary to book um, a trip for like six or seven weeks really to be gone from your whole life here. Especially when I have booked a role in a TV show that I'm starting to shoot tomorrow. Um, and it's a really spread out schedule and they're, they haven't um, proposed any dates for the fall yet, but me being out for six weeks is means I will probably miss some episodes of that show. Uh, and I have told my agents that, um, there have been like, uh, one year I flew home one year in the middle of fringe to shoot an episode of superstore. Uh, I flew home for like three days to shoot. Um, boy, I don't even, I can't even remember. Maybe it was my wedding episode, <laughs> you know, like an important thing for me to shoot. Right. Um, but I have basically told them this time that I'm not going to do that because this is my, this is going to be my solo show. I, if I'm just leaving because I'm in an improv show and I won't be in the improv show for five days, that's not that big a deal, but I really want to do this show justice. I, um, to, in all honesty, I don't really know yet how this show is going to be good. Um, I think it's okay. It's not amazing right now. 
and I don't know if it will be amazing. It might not be amazing until after Fringe because I want to be able to go and do it 27 times. I'm not taking a day off at Fringe. Um, I really am workshopping this sort of out in public. And that is extremely daunting to me. But I think it will... I guess I'm trying to learn a little bit from the way my stand-up has progressed. Because my stand-up certainly has improved just by putting myself into that Petri dish over and over. And hearing... You know, it's not even so much hearing the way audiences respond to you. It's just being in the moment, talking about the same thing again, and then something in my unconscious will think, why don't you say this instead? And I'll try it, and sometimes it'll work, sometimes it won't. You know, notably, in the finals of the uh, comedy festival, I I started with, like, two ideas that I thought would be really funny that got nothing. Um, But I was also proud of myself that I sort of soldiered through and and got to where I needed to get. Um, But... I think a year from now, the show will be good. I think it will be very good a year from now. It is unusual for me right now. I don't see the path between here and there. Um, I, to be in all honesty, there's parts of the show right now that I think are tedious. Um, And I just don't know a quick way to get out of it. I think some of it is like, I have to just write my thoughts into this and it is very lectury at the moment. And I just, I, when I did the first reading, I I felt it. So it's almost as if I need to viscerally feel which parts of it are boring, but it means that you have to be boring in front of people. Luckily in Austin next week, when I'm doing the festival, this, the fuse box festival, no one's paying for it. No one paid for the last one. No one's paying for the one in May. So really it's just by Hollywood fringe time in June. I need to have $10 worth of value come out of the show. Um, It's, it is very interesting to me to sort of put this artistic project in front of myself and, I don't to, to not know what the path is to make it better um, is really strange. Um, I just, I'm sort of betting on myself that if I butt my head up against this show enough times over the next six months, that it'll be something. (laughs) What a weird way. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's all just like a hunch. Um, and, but that is like a lot of what subjective art is, is you just have hunches, like the stuff I'm doing in standup, a lot of it, I just have a hunch. It might work. Much of it is untested before I go and try out, you know, I was trying out new lines in that contest in the finals. And, um, it's a lot of just thinking, "Ah, I think this is funny. I think this will work out. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, as always, I'm fascinated by the amount of chops that you need to do these things. I, this is something, if I were to brand this podcast as something that wasn't just the Chris Gray show, it would, it would probably be just talking to experts about chops, about, about this, um, you know, 
an overrating almost of knowledge. There isn't that much, at least in the subjective arts, the creative arts, but I mean, you know, even in software engineering, there's not that much to know. Um, I could certainly be a much better JavaScript programmer, programmer than I am, but I know a lot of it now. And working this job has been instructive in that I, any granular element of the website that I'm working on is not particularly confusing. It's not a particularly daunting problem set. It's not some crazy innovative solution to that problem. A lot of it is simply that I don't have the chops to either have some patterns in my head about how these problems should be addressed already, or to have the confidence to know that if I propose a solution to something that I've seen enough potential solutions like that to know what is maybe the best way to go. I think that's all chops. You know, I um, submitted a, what's called a pull request, um, which is when you are, you've made an edit to the code and you want someone else to basically look at it and go like, yep, that's good. We're going to make that part of the, the main code base. Um, so I submitted a pull request on Thursday and it came back as, Hey, why don't you just code it like this? Which, um, actually was just a more efficient way to do it. It wasn't a way I would have thought to do it. Actually, I might even argue that in the future, the proposed way was slightly more confusing to read, but it was also one line instead of four lines. And was more elegant. And that might just actually be a pattern that if you have the chops, you just look at it and go, yeah, oh, I see what that's doing. Um, and once I saw it, I was like, that makes sense. That is a good way to do it. And that's a tiny little bit of chops that I earned from Thursday to today. Um, but so it's funny because for the, for the Scarlet show, yes, it's live performance, it's comedy. It has some elements of standup in it, but not only is solo theater not something that I have a ton of chops in, I also know that I don't have the chops to do this show. Not, And it's separate from me having it written as perfectly as it can be written. There isn't a script version of this show that can be written well enough that I don't need the repetition to get good at performing this show. So that's sort of a fascinating thing that's going to happen to me over the next six months is that I'm going to be developing the chops to perform the show and I'm going to be writing this show. Um, so I hope that this is a equivalent of a before picture uh, where I don't really see, you know, I trust that I can find it, but I hope that a year from now I can listen to this episode and be like, ah, what a, how silly you didn't see. You should just move this part here or do this part here, or people love it when you do this. Um, either that, or I'll listen back and be like, oh, he had no idea what the disaster the next year was going to be. Uh, because I think I've mentioned like 2023 is going very well so far. Um, 2023, 2023 so far, probably the best out of the, uh, like one of the best years so far out of the last 10. 
you know. Um, <laughs> I I would love it if no one dies this year in my life. <laughs> that would be cool. That would be a strong. Uh, so, although the, our cats died in 2023, but uh, I hope no humans in my life die this year. That would be that would be just a good uh, low bar to surpass for this year. Isn't that sad? It's a little sad. Um, but I, you know, I I have this hope that uh, I guess I'm I'm thinking a lot about Edinburgh this year because. I have a lot of stand-up in April and May, and then June will be a Hollywood Fringe. I'm also shooting this TV show. July will be prepping for that, and then it'll just all go in a blur, and I'll be doing one, two, three, four shows a day <laughs> in Scotland, potentially five or six, depending on um, I might hop on to some people's stand-up shows and that kind of stuff. And then... Uh, It'll be over, but also I was thinking today that I you know, I am in this borderline between young and old right now because I'm definitely not young, and I, but a lot of people would still tell me that I'm not really old. And I do want to, you know, I think I still have the energy to do this. So I should, you know, maybe I should have done, maybe I should have been this intense about creating stuff for myself 20 years ago. I definitely should have, but I didn't. It doesn't matter now. I can't go back and do that. And this is a show. The Scar Johansson show is a show that's been in my head for about five years. And it is moving from that platonic ideal in your head where the show is perfect because it's just a concept and now I'm putting it out there. It's like not perfect. I think that is some of the pain that I'm going through. Um, and it, it, it is a little demotivating. It does make me want to procrastinate, but anyway, um, you know, another way of procrastinating is to record a uh, podcast episode. <laughs> um, okay. I hope this finds you well. Uh, Oh, uh, also, you know, I am facing two other sort of challenges right now, which is uh, I will be launching a Kickstarter for the Scott Johansson show to help me defray some of the costs for it. So that requires a little bit of, that's some work as well. Um, then uh, the other thing is, uh, now I can't remember what it is, the other thing that I'm facing. What was the other thing I'm facing? Doing the Kickstarter. And... Uh, Boy, I, I really don't remember. It must not be that daunting, whatever this other thing is that I'm facing. Um, I was talking about... I, I'm not going to edit any of this out. This is a, this is one of those... This is a ramble. This whole episode is a ramble. Um, yeah, I don't remember what it is. Uh, I continue to be a person that lives in the world. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, it's late, by the way. Uh, all right. I guess I'll let this one go out into the wild. Um, I do, again, I do highly recommend spending $5 to sign up for Matt Donnelly's Abracababble Patreon to get a listen to his thing. Oh, I remember what it was. The Patreon thing reminded me of it. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to decide what to do with the, the circle community because I think I made a slight mistake, which is, um, I, well, 
I'll tell you the reasons why I picked Circle to be the community for this podcast, which is I love a lot of the features they have. I love a lot of the community elements that are a lot of what I like about Facebook without a strong sense of monetization or ads and that kind of stuff. However, I just don't, it doesn't seem like we need that many features right now. Not that many people want to, you know, be in forums. Like, you know, I think what I didn't realize was that a lot of people, first of all, people aren't adopters the way I am. So people aren't thinking, oh, here's a new social media platform. I'm going to really hunker down and investigate how this place works and get to know it. Because I am kind of like that, right? Um, And I also just see that for the purpose of this podcast, it's very likely that all I really need is a Patreon. Because, um, for example, I could have the interviews and then I could have very personal, um, like specific information about like this, how the, uh, the fringe show is going down to even like finances and all that kind of stuff. And I could put that behind a Patreon, uh, membership and then it could actually bring me a little bit of money to defray some of the costs for doing this show. Um, you know, I think part of, part of it was that I had this resistance to, I really don't want to make a discord for this podcast. I, I do feel pretty strongly about that, which is because I'm in discords for various things and I don't like discord. I don't enjoy it. Um, it doesn't really fit the way that I mentally think about interacting with people. And to be totally frank, I don't think the demographic for this show in the end is going to be uh, a high percentage of Gen Z's and millennials. And I think they're very comfortable in Discord. And I know that somebody like me, a Gen X person, I can navigate Discord, but um, it doesn't feel right. <laughs> it just doesn't feel right. It feels weird to me. And uh, um, I also know that I can do it in Slack. But <laughs> to be honest, well, I had a Slack with some stand-up comics earlier this year where we were sort of writing stuff together. And then one of them was like, I'm in Slack all day for my job. I really, it just makes it really hard for me to also be in Slack for this fun thing. And now that I'm in Slack a lot for my software engineering job, I totally understand it now because Slack, Slack and discord are visually very similar from one forum to the other. So if you're in your Slack for your work and then you're in a Slack for but just stand-up comedians writing jokes, it's it starts to feel like you're at work still. So um this is all just to say that I might be closing the circle community relatively soon and just shifting to a Patreon. I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. Podcast at chrisgrace.com. Um I can't imagine anybody in the circle community is going to be like, Oh my God, I'm so devastated that you shut down the circle community. But if you are, let me know. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. That's just my hunch. Okay. I think that's enough. <laughs> that's a good way to end an episode. That's enough. Um, let me know your thoughts. I'm very curious. And, uh, if you're in Houston, I'll be there on Thursday doing stand-up. If you're in Austin, I'll be there on Saturday at Crashbox at 2 p.m. doing a reading of the Scarlett Johansson show. And uh, I'll be collecting some interviews while I'm down there. And uh, I'll be back next week with a guest. And until then, you'll be hearing from me very soon. Bum 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 bum
This episode was recorded by me. It was not edited at all. And uh, you're cool.